The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. Welcome back, listeners, for this month's episode of Strengthen Your Roots. I'm Andy Pfeiffer, Financial Services Officer from Norfolk, and I have the privilege and opportunity to kick off an exciting sub-series throughout the next few months where we will be spending some time with ELT members in a series titled Ask ELT. We've collected questions from teammates around the association for this exciting new series. I would like to remind our listeners to stay tuned for later in our discussion for the podcast ponder question, where listeners will have a chance to engage their input via Yammer on the question of the day and an opportunity to score a top-notch prize. Now, without further hesitation, here with me today is Executive Vice President, Chief Alliance and Administration Officer Scott Binder to provide insight on the executive leadership team. I am fortunate to have this opportunity to sit down with Scott. A little backstory on Scott and I, we started about the same time at Farm Credit and met each other in a new employee orientation class um, and have developed a relationship from there. But I can recall getting back to my office or getting back to Norfolk and thinking, wait, Scott Binder, he had chief in front of his name and his <laughs> title and thinking like, what was that interaction like? And um, I just remember how friendly and approachable you are and how welcome you made all of us feel. So. Looking back on that day, I do appreciate that, and thank you for that. Um, and again, thank you for joining us here today on uh, this Roots podcast. Sure thing. And Andy, I, I would turn that around and say I really enjoyed getting to know you and could tell quickly you had a lot of potential to grow in our company and excited to have you here. And, and so a um, couple of things that, that I think are so important is in this company, I hope it doesn't matter what your title is, that you can contribute and have a relationship in a whole group of different ways, regardless of that. So. Absolutely. We, Farm Credit talks about that a lot. Leadership is everybody's business, um, and it honestly makes it an attractive workplace for me, and I agree with that a lot. Scott, quick bio on yourself. Could you tell us a little personally and professionally about you? Sure. So uh, I married a lady from Omaha. I went to the University of Nebraska. I grew up in Colorado, but I married a lady from Omaha, and ironically, she grew up in a house at 3225 South 118th Street, 18 blocks directly north of our building here in Omaha. So it's just kind of crazy how the world goes around, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then we went off and lived in Colorado as a CPA to begin my career. And then I had the opportunity to work in the cable television industry. And what was probably unique about that is about 28 years old, I got to start managing some small cable properties. And we, it was a smaller property than a little bigger one, a little bigger one. And we moved seven times in 14 years, but landed back in Denver in 2004 and had been there 16 years before I came to Omaha and eight years before um, I um, came to Omaha, I had the chance to go to work for a farm credit entity there and was with them for eight years as the CEO of a small entity and then had the opportunity to come to Omaha right before the pandemic in 2020. So that's kind of my career journey to get here. Gotcha. Fantastic. And your current role, Chief Alliance and Administration Officer. Can you tell me a little bit more about that position? Sure. Yeah, I've got a, a job and I think of it, the administration part, I think about it, people, vehicles and buildings, and culture. And, and those are kind of the, the focus areas and training around that culture as well. So the, um, when I started, I was actually Chief Operations Officer and had um, responsibility for the operations portions of the business as well. But this last summer, I had the opportunity to shift in, in uh, June of, of 2022. My focus to work really alongside Mark and our board to work with other farm credit entities and try and find a way that we could align ourselves collaborate with 
and create new opportunities to work together across the farm credit system. And so there's been a lot of other discussion about that in, in recent weeks, but that's been a lot of fun as well. Yeah, and some exciting collaboration news just recently. So yeah. um, getting to work quickly on that stuff. Good yeah. work, Scott. Yeah. Um, on that career history, what has been your most challenging position? You know, I, th- I think I, I, l- I want to learn throughout my career. And so I was a CPA to start with, and I didn't really like that, but it was a great background to have. So I'm really thankful I did it. It wasn't something I enjoyed as much. I've always liked working with and leading people. And so I, I really loved having the chance in the cable industry to work in these smaller operations. Probably the toughest job I had, and I, I think it's more it was more a factor of both culture and in the environment you had to work in, but I actually led um, Comcast operations in San Francisco and in the broader Bay Area at one point, trying to put fiber optic uh, cable in the um, right-of-way in Chinatown when you've got about six inches to do that where there's very little room was a really challenging experience. And then on top of that, you know, the cost of living and, and, and everything, you had a really difficult time recruiting talent that would do much of the work that we did in San Francisco because it was so hard to live there on the amount of money that, you, that we could pay. Gotcha. Okay, we'll move into some more questions here. Do you have an example of something, and this one was asked by multiple people, so I don't know if there's a story that goes with it, maybe mm-hmm. we're just getting lucky here, but do you have an example of something embarrassing that happened to you at work, whether here or at your previous role, and maybe a lesson you took away from it? <laughs> well, there's, it's, there's a couple of things in life I've never been very good at. So I can't sing, I can't play a musical instrument, I couldn't dance, and I couldn't draw. So in high school, I had to take, I took uh, like a, a class, a home decorating class to get a fine art. And you know, I was, there was only two guys in the class. So there were advantages as an 18 year old young man to, to, to that. But the difficult thing for me is I really didn't have the skills and several times in my career, I've been asked to do singing or dancing or things. And believe me, there was a couple of events here at, at Farm Credit where it was caught on film of me dancing poorly or something. And so I've not heard the end of that yet. So Yeah, that's fan- I, I can recall a video or two of you <laughs> dancing. I, I didn't miss it. I think I probably have that one saved. So. <laughs> Work-life balance. Maybe your definition, maybe discussions with uh, ELT. Um, what are your thoughts on that or your definition on that? Yeah, I think work-life balance is always one of those things that it's hard to get at any particular time. I think you've got to look at your year or career and say, there are going to be times when I'm going to be out of balance towards spending a lot of time because I have young children that need a lot of time with them. Or I've got a really big career project on uh, in front of me right now and I'm gonna have to spend more time on that and so I think you've got to look at a, a spectrum of time to really kind of assess that because if you try and do it, look at it on a day-by-day or week-by-week basis you can go I'm way out of balance and kind of freak out about that I think it's more of a if you look at it for over a three or six month time frame and say boy I've really spent too much time whether that be at work or some other aspect of your life then you got to say okay I'm gonna back that off a while and try and dedicate a little more time to something else. And so that's the way I try and look at work-life balances. How do I um, find those times in my life that I can concentrate on one thing more than another for a period of time and make, maybe make up for some of the time that I didn't do that before? I agree. In, in my current role, I feel that where there's some peaks, um, but then there's the valleys too where you get time to catch your breath. And I think if 
you make a great point and if you're looking at that as only a day-to-day or week-to-week you can really get caught in a trap there of losing sight of what's in front of you get that accomplished and maybe we get that behind us and if that's something where you never get out of i think you'd agree you need to talk to your leader and take time to to assess that and see what maybe you need to do differently yeah andy i know at one point in your life you managed a target and you know, if you look at the holiday season, you're like, oh, I'm way out of balance, right? Mm-hmm. But you've got to look at the other times when maybe things weren't quite so busy. And, and, and again, if that persists for a long time, you've got to say, okay, what do I need to prioritize? What do I need to change? And how do I find a sustainable way forward? Absolutely. Yep. On to some thoughts around engagement, part of your um, role now especially. But what is the best way, in your opinion, to foster team engagement? And maybe where do we excel um, and where do we fall short right now? You know, I think we're probably the reflection of society, right? I think too often these days our company, but more broadly our society, probably gets too wrapped up and polarized on particular events or or issues. Um, I think that we need to make sure that we accept that people are going to have different opinions and thoughts than we do. Even if we don't agree with somebody on everything, doesn't mean we can't accept that people have other different ideas perspectives. And, and I think that's kind of been lost. And so in our, in our world, and it feels like political parties and social media is pulling people further apart. And I think if there's one thing I can do as a leader in this company is try to get to help people respect that they can come together, even if they don't agree upon something. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, those differences are always going to be there. But, but, but when we show up and, and I've seen it many times with Farm Credit, when we, when we put our heads together, and move forward together on a project or, or a team, we've accomplished great things. And, and just my short time in three years of farm credit, for sure. Yeah. Another one that came up from multiple people, maybe they're looking for answers to the test. Um, are there any thought-provoking questions you ask teammates when you're either around the office in Omaha or if you're out in retail, things that you generally look for? Yeah. You know, I, I guess what I would say is uh, what I look for is people that are willing to go the extra mile. And when people... Um, our teammates look at our customers, understand what our mission is. It's pretty easy to get excited about that. You know, we, we do something that's really important, right? Without what we do for financing of agriculture, people don't eat. And so it's a pretty pure mission. And I think that's a great thing. And when I see people get excited, things usually get done, right? And, and so that's what I think is most important is you're looking at your career and looking to build your career. Try and get excited about what you're doing and see the positives in it. As I started my career as a CPA, I'd be like, oh, I'm doing tax work for wealthy people that don't need to save money, and I'm helping them save money on taxes, and they don't need the money, and, and like, oh, they should just pay more tax, you know? But you can look at any job and see the negative parts. I think the important part is, what are the things that your job does that really fuels you and you can get excited about? And, and when people are genuinely excited about what they're doing, they're going to do a better job of it and engage in it in a higher level. Fantastic. What has been the most difficult career decision you've had to make and what mentors or relationships did you leverage to, to help in that decision? Yeah, I think, you know, career transitions are tough, whether it's leaving a job, leaving a company, you start something new in a company. It can be disorienting, right, to have that happen. But I think, again, perspective is one of the things I've learned as I've gone through my career is this may be difficult or different for a short period of time, but to kind of stay the course, learn, grow, understand. And you said mentors, 
you know, it's always great to have people that have walked a couple miles in some of your footsteps before you. And so I've had a lot of great people here, but throughout my career, Doug Stark, who used to be the CEO here, was one of my first mentors in farm credit and helped me navigate a brand new industry that I didn't know much about. And, you know, here, Ken Keegan's been really a great person for me because he's been around this company a long time, knows perspectives and thoughts and understands things um, that I might bump into if I didn't have his his perspective. And so, you know, I think always finding some people that have walked ahead of you is a good idea. I really liked your insight on the just career changes in general, because I'm sure there's plenty of people, like you've changed careers a lot, changed positions a lot, but there's some people who have, have maybe been in the same spot for a while, and it can be very scary to make that jump, to make that change. But no, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be challenging, uh, but they'll settle in just like they have in their current role, and to maybe take that leap, take that chance. Yeah, one thing I, I encourage people is, is sometimes we're never 100% ready. There's going to be jobs when, that you take a job and you don't know 100% of it, and so um, you don't have to know everything. What you have to do is try and understand what you do know and then where you can go to get resources for the things you don't know. And I think too often teammates maybe think, oh, I can't do that or I, I'm not going to do that. And I think that the opposite's actually the case. We need people that bring new perspectives, new ideas, and maybe haven't done the same thing their whole career and, and bring new perspective to those roles. Yeah, I agree. Uh, shifting to pandemic. I really, I want this to be my last pandemic-related question ever, <laughs> but I still think there's good thoughts to come from it. So um, pandemic behind us, hopefully, um, but what we learned from it will be lasting. So in the eyes of ELT or, or you, how did it change us, and what was our biggest, what were some of our biggest takeaways from it? Sure, sure. Well, I think it has new ways to do business. I mean, and just stepping back, I'd probably been on a couple dozen Zoom calls in my life before the pandemic, you know, and it was always like, how do you make this work again, you know? And within a week or two, we were all pretty fluent in how to, how to make Zoom work, right? So I think that's a great learning. And I think just virtual, being a virtual teammate or leader, we've had to learn how to build connection and relationship, even if we aren't face-to-face. And that's a learning that we'll carry with us going forward. I think that technology and tools have made a lot of what we did during the pandemic possible, but it leaped us forward. And I think we're still probably in the first or second inning of the evolution of work. You know, when I started my career, I went to work. It was a place. Today, we can do work almost anywhere with the devices that we have. And I think that will continue to evolve. Customers' expectations will evolve how we serve customers, where we serve customers, and where we do that work to do so is, again, we're early in that evolution. And and I think um, the pandemic was one of the real impetuses for changing that. I think one of the things I'm most excited about our company, though, is you read, I just read a big article on Amazon calling people back to the office this week. And I think that we've tried to walk the right line of saying those personal face-to-face interactions remained important in our culture throughout the pandemic, and we tried to um, have as many of those as we could while being safe. And we always anchored back to what is best for business continuity and teammate safety. We've got to be able to stay and serve our customers, and we've got to be able to keep people safe. And I think we did a really good job of that without 
going full-time remote for extended periods of time. And, and at the end of the day, it's about flexibility. Can we give people the flexibility to live their lives and do their work? And that's what we're going to focus on. Yep. We've talked about uh, collaborations. We've talked about alliances. Um, if we go into a market, can you define our strategy around if we're going into a market we don't currently have expertise in, how are we going to get up to speed in those markets? Is it going to be solely utilizing that association? Are we going to use outside sources? Have you guys had any thoughts on that? Sure. Well, we certainly have a fairly homogenous footprint in our four and a third states here. And some of the organizations we talk to have different crops and commodities, et cetera. And so we're, we know that we don't know everything, but we also know that we know a lot about credit and that our models will have a lot of use with a lot of different commodities as we move forward. And certainly we expect to bring along the talent we, we um, would find in those organizations, as well as try and bring some of the um, tools and processes that we use that might make um, those organizations even more effective going forward. So um, I think that one of the advantages is, is there is diversity of crop and of area. And if you have a drought, it maybe doesn't stretch across as much of your footprint. But at the end of the day, the value we see is agriculture continues to consolidate larger producers, number one, and number two, vertically integrate where, you know, a Kellogg's or a Costco are driving more of the product all the way to production agriculture. And we want to be positioned to serve production agriculture across the country in a way that's really hard to do from four states. So these collaborations, as well as the possibility of some of these alliances, is really important for us to have the scale and magnitude across the country to do that. I think the collaborations and the alliances alike are both very exciting when you think about our four and a third states are connected right now mm -hmm. and going beyond that. I think the opportunities are exciting there, for sure. Yeah. Diversity, what is, what's Scott's definition of mm -hmm. diversity? I think, you know, Far too often we, we try and define diversity as like race, gender, ethnicity, something like that. And that's certainly an element of diversity, but diversity really means and at its kind of core level, I always joke about this, but I went to the University of Nebraska. I love the Huskers. So if we said we only are gonna hire people that went to the University of Nebraska, how strong of a company would that make us? And I know there's people like Jim Canute out there saying, well, it'll make you a really weak company. But um, the, <laughs> the reality is, is diversity means we have different experiences. We have different beliefs. We have different ideas. We have different perspectives. And that we can bring those together is so important, I think, to the future of our company. And, and if you look at, at the workforce that's coming in, in 2025, over half the people that come into the workforce won't be Caucasian for the first time. So if you look at that element of diversity, that's different than our current workforce. So if we're going to avail ourselves to all the talent that's coming into the work, workforce, we're gonna have to be a more diverse company going forward just because there's gonna be more people with different backgrounds as far as color and ethnicity than there has been historically. Yep, and we talk about that even in our office, like all of us financial officers, we actually have a very diverse group. Um, and people come to our office and in our conversation and our dialogue when they come into our meetings they're always taken back a little bit because it's pretty different because of the different opinions uh -huh. but then they're also always blown away by the takeaways from it yeah. i think that is a, a product of that diversity you talk about where it's people coming together from different backgrounds different thoughts different opinions 
and we ultimately come up with some better product out of out of that so yeah. yeah and we just talked about acceptance of that earlier i said if you can learn to accept that somebody else might have a different idea and perspective you may actually learn from it because what i've learned throughout my life is sometimes what i knew yesterday as a fact isn't even true anymore and, and so I think that, especially as our world continues to change, and certainly there's morals and different life lessons that are kind of unchanging, but there's so many things that, and I'll give you an example. If you'd said to me in college, what's a computer look like? I would have had a picture in my mind of a big basement in a university with a, a machine that took up three rooms, right? And now if you ask me what a computer is, I've got one in my pocket that's a phone. And so those are very different paradigms. And so, so much of what we know at one point in our lives isn't even true at another point. Yep. All right, we'll uh, change it up here a little bit. We got some rapid fire questions. Okay. Scott, are you ready? Yeah, I'll see if I can do it quick. <laughs> uh, say something in another language. Tomatot slikaput longamont gulabran lilbi spilimont. Those are Danish words for your fingers. <laughs> I knew that already. So, oh, okay, uh, all right. No, I don't speak Danish, <laughs> but well done. This episode's podcast ponder question is... Your favorite piece of farm credit swag, what, what do you got? Not even close. I got that new Ag Direct uh, uh, shirt for the 25th anniversary. That was sweet. You know, I love... I've got stuff from each of the ERGs and stuff, but that was a really nice piece of... Uh, uh, I was pretty stuff. jealous watching that, that live feed yesterday. I, I may have sent a couple texts to see if I can round one of those up, but we'll see. Okay. One thing about Mark Jensen that bothers you. Yeah, he's too dang smart. So, you know, I, it just always irritates me when he has the answer before I do. So that, that, that way I'm safe. I, I think I get to keep my job with I'll that I'll accept answer. that. A little <laughs> easy way out there. That works. So, Best movie of all time. Uh, well, this is really sappy, but it's true. Um, I uh, love The Sound of Music, and I've watched it with my kids and my grandkids, and we've actually gone to Austria where they filmed it and never done the whole Sound of Music show. Oh, I can't. Uh, I'd have to disagree. I had two sisters growing up. They watched it endlessly. I just can't. Do, but good movie nonetheless, <laughs> but I just had to throw that in there. I got burned out on that one a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Next question, which retail office is your favorite? There are absolutely wrong answers here, so be careful. Yeah, definitely um, Carney. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, Norfolk. <laughs> what, what's funny, and, and Andy knows this, but um, uh, a family friend of ours um, was the priest in Norfolk, so I, I scared all the Norfolk people once when I sent a picture of um, the priest with, at our house, and I said, I know all of your confessions now. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Now, all the retail offices are good. I'm sure you'd agree with that. So, um, I had somebody send this in. If there is an alliance with another association, uh, will we get new swag? <laughs> Actually, there's been discussion about that. You know, we've got a lot of brands in this company already. And how would we brand if there were uh, other alliances? I think that that's going to be determined and we'll, we'll, we'll decide that. People are excited always at the opportunity for new swag. <laughs> so, I wasn't surprised to see that one in there. You know this about me, car guy. Through and through, I gotta ask you, what would be your favorite classic car? Oh, probably a, probably a Camaro. Gotcha. If I could have had a Camaro in high school. I would have been cool, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, now we got some ones just on ELT. So, who is the best cook mm. on ELT? Probably 
I don't really know, but I, I'm going to bet Scott Kazire. Okay. This guy seems like he'd have some cooking genes. There you go. All right. Who's the fastest person mm-hmm. on ELT? That 40-yard sprint, who's winning? I think I'm going to say that I could beat those guys. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I'm going gotcha. to call that one. We might have to see if we can get video on that. Yeah, let's. Sure. You know, that would be one that I would rather participate in than dancing. <laughs> For sure, I'm <laughs> sure. Best ELT at math. Who's the math wizard? Hmm. Probably Kennison. Kennison. Yeah, yeah, he should be. He's the bean counter. So we'll we'll <laughs> let him carry that one. Let him wear the crown there. Gotcha. Lastly, who is the timekeeper at ELT meetings? Who keeps you guys on task? Yeah, you know. Mark is actually a very prompt human being. I'm always impressed with that about him. But I would say Lacey Cooper is the one that, you know, is, is um, if we are going over, make sure that we hear about it. So, yeah, Lacey probably keeps us in, in line. Any talk of changes in vacation or sick leave, for example, unlimited paid time off. Um, you hear about teammates being provided vacation funds. And then on the other side of that, maybe some LOA or leaves for for aging parents to care for them? Yeah, great question. I think this is so important. As we think about work going forward, we talked about workplace location, and COVID was a real catalyst in saying workplace location. I think going forward, what you're going to see a lot more of is how do you fit life and work together more seamlessly with electronic devices and mobility and laptops, we can all work a lot of places and often do. And so then what's the offset to that and what are companies doing to retain and attract teammates in the future? So, you know, whether those can look like um, extended paternity and maternity leaves, they can look like um, opportunities for sabbaticals for long-term employees, they can look like a lot of things. And we've got a total rewards group that's really focused on saying, how is that trending? How is it changing? And how do we stay a play? We used to think about benefits as like, what's your 401k match? Right, right. And not that that's not really important. I think you want to be strong in that space, and we have been. But I think a better question might be, how do I get the opportunity to have enough time to fit all the things I want to do in my life in and have a sustainable long-term career here. And so that's where I think our focus is shifting. And we're talking about the flexibility to allow teammates to do that while still having highly productive teams. I agree on the 401k. Like we are incredibly competitive in that front, but that's 20, 30 years down the road, maybe for some. Um, But in the present, um, what's, what's, how am I being benefited now? I guess you could say. Um, And, And it's important not to look back. Because I think a lot of folks will say, even my wife was a registered nurse. She said, well, I got six weeks off. Our daughter recently had a baby, and with the company she was at, she had a six-month maternity leave, which is very, very generous. And there's other things where that company doesn't do so well. But I think that that's the kind of evolution we're seeing in benefits and the way that we need to think about creating a competitive package going forward. I think the one takeaway from what you said there, too, though, is that we have a group working on it. We're constantly evaluating on it, evaluating it. We're not just saying we're going to look at that down the road. Right. This is something we're constantly studying because, you know, even one of my questions later is how do we ma- re- remain competitive and attractive, and it's by focusing on those things. And um, so that's good to hear, and, and for sure, something I wanted to be sure to highlight. And I think it's also about the culture we set for leaders. What do leaders need to do to make this place 
the best they can for their teammates as opposed to setting a ton of rules that people have to live by because you can't make rules to fit every situation. And so it's really empowering leaders and, and challenging leaders, frankly, because it's easier to say, well, this is what we can do and what we can't do. And I think our leaders are embracing the opportunity to say, well, what can we do? What do I really have the authority and ability to do? And how do I, how do I work it, it to be as flexible as I can to retain really good talent? What does the relationship between the board and ELT look like? How often do you meet Zoom in person? What does the yeah, what does the communication look like between you guys? Yeah, good question. I think that's changed a lot. I mean, most farm credit, I have a perspective from my former job when I was at the other farm credit company that most for, farm credit entities, um, we worked with all the farm credit entities across the country, used to meet once a month for like, you know, a four-hour meeting and then they'd go away. But it was really, if you think about that, it was the history of that was, hey, you come together because you couldn't get the, the information electronically. Now you can get information electronically and share information and people can see it. So our board works with us. Um, we have about five meetings a year with the board. They're usually two, two and a half days. Some of that time is, is dedicated to actually board development. And the other time is, is dedicated primarily to the ex executive team updating the board on initiatives or progress that we're making on new products, business results less on backward looking business results and more on what are our opportunities going forward. And so just share with you that we started talking about alliances in 2021 with our board and why we thought that was important. And you know, it takes a while then for the board to look at that and then for the rest of us to come to conclusion on how would we move forward with that discussion. And so that that's the kind of sharing that happens at the board meeting. And um, you know, then there's some executive session where the board meets by themselves or just with Mark as well. Yeah, and to your point, I, even when I was talking to you last week, you were sending an email to the board. So yeah. I'm sure that electronic side has changed that dialogue and you guys have probably a pretty constant moving thread there, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, even, even think about this, the way the board was compensated a long time ago historically is how many times a year did you meet and, and were you driving in for meetings? Now our board is compensated through mostly through a retainer that they receive because they're working all the time. You know, they're, we're sending them information that they have to review and respond to on a regular basis. And so it's a very different, they don't come together or come to Omaha as many times as they did historically, but they certainly are working just like the rest of us are electronically. Well, thank you for highlighting that. We had some, some many questions around that. After the ERG conference, we heard a lot of feedback about teammates interested in finding mentors. How do you recommend finding one? Hmm. Well, I'm working with a few already, and, and I would tell you that, that I think going and finding people that you have natural connection with is one way. Andy, you and I have had the chance to kind of stay connected over the last three years, and that's an easy way to do it. But I think a flip side of that is look for somebody that has experiences and background that maybe is a little different than yours. And um, I don't know if you'll remember this, but there was someone else in our new hire class that actually grew up in India and comes from a technology background. And we've stayed in, in touch because we don't have the same exact background and experiences, but it's been really helpful for me to understand how he's navigated his transition to Omaha, because that's one thing we have that's very much in common. 
what are you going to do this weekend? Because I haven't I'm, I'm lived here 20 years either, you know? And so yeah, we, yeah. we find connections on things like that. But it's been helpful then for me to also connect with him on a work perspective because he brings with him a wealth of knowledge and background that's not my specialty in technology. Yeah, I agree. Diversity on that mentor side is critical too. You can have that one that you're more comfortable with that maybe has, like you said earlier, walked a few mile in your shoes, but then there's that person that maybe gets you out of your comfort zone, doesn't just tell you everything you want to hear, but maybe tells you the things you need to hear. I would encourage yeah. everybody to look for both sides of that. Absolutely. Young professionals. So as we look at roots, that's what we are, mm-hmm. um, a YP group. Are there any initiatives or current focuses on the horizon for them, whether it be workplace flexibility, any other discussion, I guess, as it pertains to the young professionals? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would, I would almost say that and think about that from the opposite, and that is I think Roots has helped inform us of changes that we do need to make, right, and, and made us aware of how we can become a more attractive employer and a place that people want to work for people of that generation. I think that that's been a huge plus for us over the years, and there's probably things that we have done that we wouldn't have done had we not had people from Roots contributing ideas to, to the way we reward, the way we work in the workplace. And, and so, you know, I, I don't know that, that there's some specific thing we're saying we want out of an ERG as much as we, I think, believe that the ERG often brings to us knowledge, information, and feedback on different policies, on different, um, on different ways for us to be engaging in business in a way that makes sense for, for young professionals. Well, I think what I kind of heard from that is we as a group roots provided that, but I'm certain you would be open to that from, from anybody. Oh, sure. And so as people come across ideas or thoughts on that stuff, be sure that you're going to your leader, find Scott in the hallway, whatever that looks like, call me, send me an email, I'll relay the information. But um, Farm Credit has just a great open culture and and we want to be a better workplace always. And that kind of goes into my next question. Uh, We have great tenure at Farm Credit and and a big reason that is culture. But that tenure, it'll promote, um, it'll retire, it'll move on, it needs to be replaced. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing to continue that attraction to work at FCSA and how can we as teammates support that? Yeah, we're probably a little bit on the back side. If you look at raw numbers on the back side of that baby boom um, retirement, we had quite a few people that started their careers here. And if they survived the 80s, they stayed, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you've seen a lot of, of people with 30, 40, 45 years of service at this company retire. But I think that more of that's happened already than is probably on the horizon as far as the barbell as they sometimes call that the big part big part of the barbell is already tipped off and so um, I think that you know we'll have an organization that has probably more distributed career tenure going forward than we've had in the last 10 years and I think that we can continue to learn um, from every generation because I think a lot of times you know I've got kids now in their 30s, and they're no longer the young ones, right? You know, like I, I joke about this. My daughter and son grew up with the Cartoon Network, being able to watch cartoons anytime they wanted, whereas I had to wait till Saturday or late in the afternoon after school. My youngest daughter, who's 21, you know, she's only known 
iPads and on demand, right? She can watch anything anytime she wants. And every one of those generations continues to evolve expectations at work and successful employers are going to embrace those changes. I think we all like to joke and say, oh, this, this generation or that generation. The reality is, I think more often than not, you've just got to find the way to connect with people and find ways that they most um, learn, the way they learn the easiest, absorb information the easiest. And that does change because of technology and habits that you had as, as a child. So we'll have to continue to do that. And frankly, you start to see that in the way we train today. We've got a ramp program to bring teammates on. We didn't have that. It used to be set by somebody and learn. And today we've got a ramp program for many of our roles that teaches people based on video learning, peer-to-peer learning, and, and you know some classroom work. And so that blended approach, because that's the way most people learn better today. Well, and those people are coming together for those trainings more often, which I think helps build the connections within Farm Credit and establishes them within the, in the company a lot quicker. So good to see changes in evolution there. What can you share with us that you worked on today? What was in front of you today? Great question. So today we're, we're, we're preparing for a meeting with um, our alliance partners and, uh, and the work that we're going to do with them to better understand how we are similar and how we're different. So we have a meeting next week that we're, we're um, coming together to kind of share our process and structure and they're doing the same. And so um, we're, we're having that meeting next week and a lot of presentation work to get ready for that. The other thing that I met with today is, is to talk about, we talked about diversity, equity, inclusion. What did we accomplish last year and what's our focus going forward? And I think there's so many things that we do that people don't always tie to diversity, equity, and inclusion. We had an all ERG conference that we had 250 people coming together to better appreciate how we're the same and how we're different, right? And that that's good. Those differences are strength for the company. And that the company invests just in this. This wasn't about, when you say professional development, it wasn't about being a better lender. It was about being a better place to work and a better teammate. And so we're gonna talk about some of the things that we've accomplished in the last year in DEI, and then how we're going to move forward and continue to make progress as a company in that space. And I had an hour meeting with some of the HR and communications team today about that. Productive day, to say the least. Yeah, and now you're here hanging out with us, uh, recording a podcast. We appreciate that. Sure. Last question. What's one thing about ELT you wish teammates knew? Hmm. I, I guess I I'm, I'm wonder if people understand lots of times people on ELT bring different perspectives. And we have to work through that one person believes this, maybe there's a spectrum across you know, two or three ideas, and we have to come to an uh, agreement and then support those um, ideas that we all come to consensus on. And sometimes I think that people think, oh, all it, in fact, I've heard people say, oh, well, ELT decided this. And it's not that ELT always decides, it's that we gather a lot of input from a lot of people, have a discussion and try and make the best way forward and, and maybe ELT doesn't 
have a uniform approach, but we have to take a direction, right? And I, and I think that's a healthy thing that, that actually the ELT does a pretty good job of here is saying, okay, what are all the different perspectives and getting those both from within our group and, our, and what we've learned, but from others as well. And um, most people probably wouldn't understand that every really big decision that a ELT makes usually comes out of a work group or a process that somebody has studied something and made a recommendation to ELT and what ELT is doing is saying, yes, we authorize that to go forward that way. Or we're saying, no, we think that maybe that isn't the perfect way forward. How about this? Go back and look at it some more. It wouldn't be the ELT would say, no, we're just going a completely different direction. So. I'm, I'm certain between those groups, but you made a really good point. Like in your meetings, it's not like one recommendation is made and you move forward. I bet there's some pretty gritty dialogue that can happen at times, and it's good to remember that you guys are on the same page trying to move that boat forward, um, but there's uh, disagreements and dialogue along the way. Absolutely, and, and you know, any healthy organization is going to have discussion, and I think the worst thing that can happen is you do nothing. You know, you have to try things, you have to do things, and sometimes we'll get that right, and then sometimes we will implement and it won't be what was intended, right? And, and so I look at a, a great example of that is the multi-year line of credit. I think as we rolled this out, there was some resistance and, and question about it. I think for the most part now, people understand that it will actually allow us to not be as busy with busy work long-term and let us be more consultative with customers as we need to be. I agree with that. And those kind of things come down to let's let's move forward with the change, right? If that's what you want to call it, the change, mm. provide feedback rather than just putting that resistance up right away, which ultimately slows it down anyways. Let's go give it a shot. Let's provide the feedback, see how we can adjust it if possible. And then make and it move work. Forward. Yep, yep, absolutely. And that's a wrap, Scott. I'd like to extend a big thank you for joining our conversation for this month's Strengthen Your Roots podcast, as well as kicking off our Ask ELT series. It's been a pleasure to learn more about you personally and I really appreciate the, the questions that you answered with um, professionalism, providing so much great insight for us. For our listeners, I hope today's podcast was valuable, along with giving you a look at what Scott Binder and the rest of the executive leadership team are focusing on. For questions, comments, feedback, and especially ideas, we're always looking for ideas, please email dollar sign roots. Don't forget to engage with us on Yammer with our podcast ponder question from today's episode. Stay tuned for next month's episode where the crew ERG will take over the Roots Podcast channel. Thanks, everyone, and have a fantastic day. Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode.